Thanks for checking out the Bridge Podcast. It's not a mistake you found us. We pray God speaks to you today. Check us out Sundays at 10.30 a.m. For more information, go to sfbridge.org. Around here, we like to joke how young I am, all right? I remember the days when you had a VHS tape. Who remembers the VHS tape in here, right? You know the pain of what it's like when you pop your popcorn, you grab your drink, you grab the remotes, you settle into that perfect spot on the couch. You have that spot on your couch where it's like, oh, it feels good. And you grab the remote, you hit play, and the credits start to roll. Does anybody remember that? Okay. My youth students complain when they don't have Wi-Fi because they can't stream their Netflix or their stuff. And I'm like, you guys have no idea what pain is, all right? Because there's nothing like going to the video store, popping in, thinking, okay, this is going to be awesome. And the credits start to roll. And what's, what's even worse is when it's in the middle of the movie, right? And you're like, no, no, I can't see this. And you're freaking out and all the younger kids have no idea what's going on. This movie is legendary because it's got a VHS and a special edition DVD. Did anybody notice that? Special edition DVD. All right. Who, who, by show of hands, who's seen Remember the Titans? Anybody in here? The greatest sports movie of all time. Am I right? The greatest movie of all time. It is a contender. I'm a movie buff. I love to watch movies. Um, I watch all kinds of movies, but remember the Titans will forever be one of my all-time favorites. Uh, It's just a classic football movie with hitting and passing and competition. Um, It's so great, but what I love about Remember the Titans is it's it's more than just a football movie. There's so much other stuff that, that goes into it. And for those who haven't seen it, um, let me just break down the plot for you really quick. It's set in the 1970s. It looks like it was made in the 1970s, but it's actually made in the 2000s. Um, but it's set in the 70s. Um, and it's all about the integration of the first ever black and white school in Virginia. And so um, for those who have studied it, or for some of those who have lived through it, um, that was a big deal. Alright? It's okay to laugh in church. Alright, everybody? I know I got goofy jokes, but you, if you're not going to offend me if you laugh, alright? Um, Chris is like 50 years old, and so it's just, we like to have fun around here. Oh, 60, sorry. In Virginia, it was the first ever black and white school, and that was a huge deal. And so, they come to school, and they're trying to figure out what this dynamic is, and the biggest thing they have to deal with right at the, at the front is their football team. Because now they have to decide are they going to have an all-colored football team and an all-white team. And they have this big dilemma. And right away in the movie, you see at the school rules, nope, we're going to have one football team. And so they all come to, to training camp like some of our football players did this last week. And, and they come together and then all of a sudden stuff starts to go haywire right away. Alright? There's like this palpable tension with all these people. They hate each other. Alright? Because they're conditioned to hate each other. And they just, there's this tension and this hatred and all this stuff is just boiling and welling up and you start to wonder how can they possibly make this work? Because anyone who knows anything about football, when you have that stuff going on, stuff starts to go haywire right away. And so you do deal with all the stuff that happens on and off the field and it's a great movie. I really encourage you to watch it. Um, I will warn you, I have a few spoilers in here. And so the rule is, this thing's been out since 2000, okay? And so I don't feel bad about spoiling this movie because it's almost as old as I am, alright? 
Amen. It really is, though. So I, I was five years old when this movie came out, so still a great movie. I was 50. Yes, you were. Yes, you were. It is a great movie. You need to go watch it. But I love it because they come together, and this movie is so much more about football. It's so much more about football because there's all this stuff that happens together amongst the players that all of a sudden now they have to choose. Are they going to choose love or are they going to choose hate? And now it's either it's going to be me or it's going to be them. And it gets, it gets into all these, these crazy, crazy things. But what I love is that you think it's all just about football. The plot sets up that it's all about coming together, forming a team, winning the game in the end. But the plot gets so much deeper and it touches on so many big things about black and white coming together, about blazing a new trail, going against the cultural norm, going through all this different stuff. And what's awesome is they didn't even realize they were making history. I wonder what it was like to sign up for a team knowing I'm, I'm going to come in here to play football because I love to play football and get on the outside of the season and go, we just made history forever. The world would never be the same and I love that plot. And it brings up so many good things, but the underlying purpose I see in this movie is the same question that I see from anyone age 5 to 95 of what is my purpose? Why am I here on earth right now in 2019? Why have I been created? And I think a lot of times we're conditioned to think my purpose is tied to my vocation. I want, my purpose is to be a phenomenal electrician so that I can do what I'm called to do. My purpose is to be a great doctor so I can help people. My purpose is to be a great dad or a great mom or a great spouse. And we, we think that my, my purpose is tied to something I do or something that I am. And those are all very good and noble things. And I, I've answered myself that question many, many times in that way. But I've been challenged by the Lord recently that our purpose for me, for you, for anybody on this world is so much bigger than we can even think or imagine. Our influence that we have is so much greater than we even think about. And I got thinking about that because I, I was reading a study that happened a few years ago. And there are many variables that go into this study that can either alter this number one way or another. But they, they, they want to know how many people do we interact with on, in, our, in our life. And so they, they, they went with very conservative numbers. They thought, alright, the, the average median age in America of someone living is 78.3 years of age. Alright? Most people remember... The, I mean, a large majority of the people they meet after they're five years old. I mean, you might not remember them, but if you saw their face, you'd recognize them after five years old. And they say you interact, on average, with about three new people each day face-to-face. You might see that seems kind of high. But you have to think, that's when you're paying for gas at the gas station. That's when you are going to McDonald's and ordering food. That is when you're walking your dog through the park and you see someone on the park bench. You interact with three new people a day. So if you remember everyone from age 5 on and you live about 78 years old, at the end of your life you will have interacted with 80,000 people. And that's face to face. We live in a day, an age, of where you have 1,400 Facebook friends and 300 Instagram followers and you follow all these people on Twitter and all this different stuff and so the, the numbers just go through the roof. 
And when you realize how many people that you interact with, do you realize how much influence and purpose you have with those people? Just think about that for a second. 80,000 people. What is St. Francis? 7,000 people? So ten, more than 10 times as many people that live in St. Francis you interact with on a personal, face-to-face basis in your lifetime? Don't tell me you don't matter because that's a lie. 80,000 people is a lot of people. But I think the problem is that we think, yeah, yeah, I, I, I guess I, I know I have a purpose. I, I know I have all this stuff. But there's all this stuff that happens between your two ears that makes you feel less than. Right? Let me know if you think and you empathize with some of these, these thoughts. Right? You, ha- you have th- this, this whisper or this thing in the back of your head like, yeah, well, I, I, really, I really don't matter. I mean, I'm just, I work, I've worked the same job since I'm 30 years old and, and I live in the same town. We live in a small town. I don't matter. And you hear, you don't make a difference. You hear, you're just a whisper in the sea of 7 billion people. You think, I'll never amount to anything or I don't have an influence or a platform and so yeah, I have something to share. I could, I could be a, a blessing to somebody but really I have no platform. There, there's, there's no point to it. And we take it to heart. We take it to heart, right? You, I know this to be true and you can deny me all day long but there are people in this room, myself included, where they say, hey, you are awesome. Like, man, like, thank you so much for this. Thank you so much for that. And inside you're thinking... Yeah, I mean, sure, I guess. I'm just glad to help. You know, I mean, we think we're super humble and, and, and all this stuff is happening. But the reality is that we really just don't think we're worthwhile. We don't. We don't. And the problem with that is, is that in, in, our, in our being, in our heart, God has created us to be people of influence. He has created us to have purpose and to do this. And, and I know this to be true because... On YouTube, the most viewed videos behind random cat videos and weird dance moves. <laughs> All this stuff that we see on YouTube, some of the biggest hits are inspirational videos. People that we see, that, that we look up to, people that do have a platform, that do have influence, and they sit down with all this dramatic lighting, and, and they sit down for seven minutes and share this super motivational video, and you feel like, yeah, I can go run through a wall right now, right? <laughs> you feel that, and, and, and we crave that. We want to be inspired because we want to have influence. Why else would we watch a motivational video? Do we want to watch? A, do we want to be inspired to go down to County Market and buy a thing of orange juice and just say, "Sweet, I'm making breakfast today. I feel motivated." I think it's bigger than that. I think we want to have influence, and and what I have realized and what I have struggled through is this idea that there never has, nor will there ever be, someone exactly like you. Might be another Derek Mum in this world at some point, but he will not look like me. He will not have the same desires or the same characteristics of me. He will not have the same burning passions as me. And it's not because I'm special, it's because God's called me to be who I am. And instead of denying that and, and putting ourselves into the ground, what if we just owned that? What if we just own the idea that there is something in this world that is meant for me? There are certain people in your life that only you can minister to. 
There are people that I have seen, I saw this to be true when I coached track, that there are certain people that get so much more out of something that comes out of another person's mouth than my own. And so we need, to, we need to realize that and understand that because it's really going to change who we are. And it will take us from what our perception is to our reality. And this is the realization. Just one time. I swear to God, I'm going to hit you so hard by the time you come to. Ooh, boy, you're going to need a new haircut. You understand me? <laughs> Let's play, fellas. Let's go, ball. Let's run it again. Let's go, everybody. Let's go. Football the best. I love football. This, this stuff gets me fired up. For, for those who don't know what's happening in this scene, Gary Bertia, the guy, the, the white guy, he is like the alpha male of his team, alright? He is the linebacker leader who just is like getting everybody in shape. And the problem is, Julius Campbell, the guy he's yelling strong side, left side with, is the same thing. And for those who have passionate, independent kids, what happens when you have two strong personalities in the same vicinity? Right? Don't tell me you don't have them. Because when they come to youth group, it's like, ah! And stuff starts falling off the ceiling. And So I know you have some crazy kids, alright? It happens. I know. I know. I'm actually only 12, but the, I look so old because they put stress on me, alright? <laughs> Gary and Julius are these guys that just butt heads. And they, out of anybody in their team, hate each other the most. Because not only is it a black and white issue, it's a me versus you issue now. Now it's, I'm the leader of this team. I call the shots. I run this defense. And so they've hated each other, but you see, all of a sudden, now, Gary's teammate that was on his team, the formerly white guy, starts to slack and starts to do it, and he calls him out on it. And Julius comes to the next play and just annihilates him. And you see this realization that now, it's not just about me versus you anymore. Now it's us versus them. Now it's the Titans versus the opponents. And it was a turning point because these two guys who hated each other so much now love each other. And it changed the entire dynamic of the entire team. Changed the whole thing. 
And when you realize that your reality is bigger than your perception, you start to live differently. I wonder what would happen if we in this scene, like, like Gary and Julius, understood that, you know what, this is bigger. This is bigger than me hating you. This is, this is about us winning. This is about us unifying under one vision. I wonder how we would live differently. Last week, Chris talked about a guy named Peter in the Bible. And Peter was that guy. He was that guy that made the stupidest mistakes. And he's just like the guy like, Yeah, we're ready. We're ready to go. And then then all of a sudden, now it's like, it's time for actually them to do something. And he's like, Actually, I'm not feeling that anymore. Like, I gotta go groom my camel. Like, I got plans. Um, Peter was just that guy. And in John chapter 1, the first time Peter meets Jesus, um, he actually didn't even go and meet Jesus. His brother Andrew was like, Dude, just met the Messiah. You gotta meet him. And and, and he's like, Sure. And for those with the two brothers, I can just see him grabbing him by the shoulder and being like, Come on, let's go. And he he goes down the road, and then they pick up in verse 41. And Peter's name was not Peter. His name was Simon. So the first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, We have found the Messiah, that is, the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. And Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John, but now you will be called Cephas. Which when translated is Peter. If you look into the meaning of Cephas, um, like like the Bible just said, when you translate that into the Greek, it's Peter. But when you translate it into Aramaic, which is usually what Jesus was speaking back when he was alive, it means rock. It means rock. And so this was very intentional by Jesus because Jesus was saying, Peter, you will be a rock. You will be a source of strength. You will be a source of just like when everything else is going crazy, when everything else is sinking and falling apart, you will stand strong. And if you read about Peter in future chapters, you start to wonder if Jesus is outside of his mind. Because Peter is a goof, okay? Peter's the guy that is, is like, you know what? People are coming at you, just let me pull out my sword and cut your ear off. Like that actually happened. Um, Peter is the guy that's like, oh, I think that's Jesus walking in the water. I'm going to step out of the boat and see if I can do that too. And steps out and walks for a little bit, but then falls. And so Peter is, is the goof. He's the guy that is always messing up. He denied Jesus three times when he said he wouldn't. And, and a lot of times we like to pick on Peter. But I wonder if Peter is like myself, and when he screws up, he's completely aware of how much he missed the boat. I love to poke fun at Peter, like, Peter, you are, you are, you're a goofy guy, but I can empathize with what it's like when you know you screwed up, knowing I let everybody down. I let myself down. I feel like the biggest loser. But Jesus, I think, saw beyond all of that. Because in Acts chapter 2 and verse 14, you see Peter. Just after he denied Jesus three times and made all these mistakes, you see in, in verse 14, Peter stepped forward with 11 other apostles and shouted to the crowd, Listen carefully, all of you fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem. He says, listen up! And he starts speaking about who Jesus is. And he starts preaching the gospel. Which if you don't know, it's just virtually the message of Jesus. And how Jesus came and died and, and, and gave us new life. And so he's saying this in, in front of a crowd of thousands. And I mean thousands. The same guy that was afraid of his own shadow a few chapters before. And in verse 41 you see, 
Those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day, about 3,000 in all. So you have a guy who is cutting people's ears off, shying away from any real struggle, and now all of a sudden he's speaking to thousands of people and 3,000 people come to know who Jesus is. If we want to live with purpose in our lives, we have to understand and realize that God has an assignment for us and we can't shrink away from it. We need to charge it. We need to charge our, our, our calling. We need to charge who Jesus is. And it's natural, natural to question who you are. It's natural to question, I'm not good enough. I'm not strong enough. I'm not gifted enough. I can't speak well enough. I don't have much of a story to give. And we think all these things and they all get jumbled up right here. And we start to doubt ourselves like Peter did. But Jesus said, you will be a rock. He wasn't saying you're a rock. Now he's saying you will be a rock. Because I'll make you a rock. Who in this room is a rock? Because I genuinely believe Jesus is saying over a lot of you in this room that you are a rock. And you might have all these doubts and all these questions, but if you would just trust that He's got something amazing for you, it would completely change your world. Those 80,000 people you meet, yeah, you might only see them for two minutes. Yeah, you might not even know their name. Yeah, you might not even understand their life story, but here's the reality. Genuine joy is contagious. If you've met someone who has genuine, real joy, you want what they have. Because no one has it. No one just loves life all the time. And so when you see it, it is contagious. And so if you live with genuine joy, you have no idea how big your smile might be. You have no idea how, how, how much that word of encouragement might be to somebody. But if we could just understand that our influence goes both wider and deeper than we would imagine... We would understand that our life actually makes a difference in somebody else. We would start to live differently. But if we want to have that influence, it's going to come at a cost. And a lot of times that cost comes with opposition. Hey, Mr. Fisher. Mr. Fisher, can I talk to you for a second? Back off, coach, if you want to stay in this game. I've got holding on 78 white. What are you, are you trying to cheat my boys out the game? 15 more yards. Listen, let them play, ref. Let them play. Reasonable. Let them play. Let the boys play. Cheetah. Coach, come on. Cheetah. What are you talking about, Bill? You call this game fair. I'll go to the papers. I don't care if I go down with you. But before God, I swear I'll see every last one of you thrown in jail. You dig your own grave. Defense on me! Okay, Petey, don't you drift to the strong side. Coach, they're calling a holding penalty on me every time. Did I ask for your excuses? You want to act like a star? You better give me a star effort. Do you hear me? Forget about it. 
them to gain another yard. You blitz all night! If they cross the line of scrimmage, I'm gonna take every last one of you out. You make sure they remember forever the night they played the Titans. I know. You guys are ready to go home and watch this movie. That's what I came to do, all right? This is all just fluff for you to go home and watch Remember the Titans, all right? Such a good movie. Remember the Titans is all about opposition. Off the field, on the field. They are always battling. They're always up against something. And in this scene, you see that, that what you don't know is that the Titans lose one game. They're done. They're cutting the program. They said, no, black and white can't work. And so if they lose a single game, they're done. And they start to win and win and win and win and win. And so all of a sudden, people start pulling strings like... We're going to make sure you can't win. So you see that the board and, the, and, and the, the white board members start to pay the refs and say, you make sure they don't win. And you see Coach Yost, who has been nominated for Coach of the Year, is going to go down in the Hall of Fame as one of the greatest coaches, says, enough. I know what's happening. I'm standing up against what you're doing. I know what you're doing. Enough. And you see, after this scene goes, you see that they actually pull his name from the coach of the year because of what he stood up and did. But for those in here who have worked for something, you understand that if you want something of value, something that is greater than you can even possibly imagine, it's going to come at something that you have to give. I would love to say, I'd love to encourage you and say that you know what? Go and do something awesome. It's going to be great. Yeah, it might be tough sometimes, but you know what? It's going to be easy. You got it. You're good. I wish I could say that. I really do. But when you want something bad enough, you are willing to give anything that you can possibly muster up the strength to do. You will give anything. I will tell you right now, if you want to be bold for your faith, people are going to say something against you. They're going to slander your name. They are going are, are to look at you weird when you pray in public. If you want to invest into a kid or a teenager, they're going to push you back. I promise you that. I've seen that to be true. They're going to push you back and you're going to invest and pour and give and give and give and they're not always going to reciprocate. You're going to face opposition, but I've found that when you are up against opposition, you're actually really on the right track. If you weren't up against something negative, if you weren't battling through something, I would, I would venture to say that Satan's not too worried about you. If your life is great right now, I'm not saying you need to just be like, oh, yep, I guess my life is great, so I suck. You know, like, that's not what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm saying for those in this room who are up against a battle right now there's a reason for that and maybe God's asking you to push through to just cling to him in that moment because I love my teenagers more than anything I love doing stuff with youth but it's hard it's hard there are days when I go home I'm like babe I don't know if I can keep going will you pray with me will you help me keep going yeah she does she's amazing my wife is truly amazing. You get aggressive emails. People are resistant. All this stuff that happens. Opposition comes. But the presence of failure proves that you're actually on the path to success. If you're not failing, you're not trying hard enough. In Acts 4, the priest and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. 
they were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. So they seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed, so the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. The people were mad. They said, enough talking about Jesus. They brought him into the Sanhedrin, which is like the Supreme Court. They put him on trial. They found out they, we can't do anything. And so they start to get nasty. They start to whip him. They start to throw rocks at him. They start to do all these awful things. And they keep going. Why? Because many who heard the message, the message of Jesus believed. And so the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. When you stand up against the opposition in life, you will inevitably have a legacy. The Titans danced their way into history. 13-0, the perfect season. State champions and first runner-up for the national championship. Second best high school team in the country. Gary Bertier won a gold medal for the shot put in the wheelchair games. Daddy coached him. Ten years later, Gary died, and that's what brought us back here today. Gary is gone, but his spirit lives on. People say that it can't work, black and white. Well, here we make it work every day. We have our disagreements, of course, but before we reach for hate, always, always we remember the Titans. to leave a legacy. I, it sounds morbid, but when I get to the end of my life, I want my, the, the people that are around my casket to be all kinds of people. I want them to be young people. I want them to be old people. I want them to be people that I hated. I want them to be people that I loved. My purpose on this earth, your purpose on this earth, is to live your life to the fullest. Jesus only asked us to do two things in this world. Number one, love him with our heart, our soul, and our mind. And number two, love everyone else the same way. It's that simple. It is that simple. You don't have to come to church a number of times. You don't have to give to church a number of times. You don't have to say this word or not say that word. Two things in our life are matter. Are loving Jesus and loving other people. It's that simple. And so your purpose is not to, to, to go and do this and to start this or to start that. Your purpose is to live your life. Live your life with purpose. Live your life knowing that it doesn't matter if it's the McDonald's cashier or your child. Give love the same. Gary Bertia, when he is at the end of his life, he obviously can't see, but if only he knew that his funeral around his casket would be brothers that would be of both races. Ride or die together, these teammates became one. 
because they united. They realized this is bigger than football. This is bigger than me versus you. And through all the opposition, they stayed the course. They kept fighting. They kept going. And he left a legacy. He left a legacy. And so we walk out those doors today. I want you to feel like these guys knowing that, you know what, if you're 65 or whether you're 12, you got life to live yet. And there's a purpose and there's, there's someone out in the, throughout these doors that needs us, that needs our heart, needs our wisdom, needs our life experiences to find purpose and joy through Jesus Christ. So instead of believing the lies that we're not good enough, let's trust that God made us for a purpose and he's got certain people that he wants us to minister to. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for these amazing, amazing individuals in this room. And I thank you so much that on a Sunday afternoon when they could just be ready, getting ready for a Vikings game and, and, and just hanging out, they're here to learn more about you, Jesus. So tonight, today, God, when we walk out these doors, would we have a whole new sense of vision? Would we have a whole new sense of purpose? Would we know that our life matters and what we do matters? Maybe not just for us, but for someone else outside of these doors. Give us the eyes to see them. Give us the ears to hear what we need to hear. And give us the idea that once we start to trust you and step out in faith, things will start to change, not just in our life, but in those around us, God. Encourage us, bless us. For those who are going through opposition, show them that you will never leave them and never forsake them. We love you, Jesus, and we thank you for this day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This has been a podcast of The Bridge Church. Have a great week. Stop in Sunday sometime and visit. If you would like to give, you can do so online at sfbridge.org. Have a great week.